It's another episode of Cincy Brewcast. I never feel more at home than I do when I'm behind the microphone at a beer event, except I don't have a beer in front of me, and that that throws me off a little bit, but we'll, we'll make it work here until we can change that. Craft Beer Joe, um, I assume that anybody who is clicking on this that listens to the show knows who you are at this point. You've been on the show, I don't know what, three yeah, or four times? A couple times. I think this is a third or fourth time, yeah. It's so. at least the third, I know that. At least. Yeah. Yep. It, it's probably... Uh, now it's going to bother me and I'm going to do the count in my head. <laughs> uh, so if you just happen to click on the show or if you happen to be standing like right there and you can hear me, this is Craft Beer Joe. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. We talk about craft beer in Cincinnati because there is a metric shit ton of craft beer in Cincinnati that's fantastic and somebody's got to talk about it. Somebody's got to drink about it. Somebody's got to tell you what to drink and why to drink it and what's going on. And we are... <laughs> I mean, we're, it's not live because I didn't set a camera up because it's too much of a pain. Um, we're recording live, though, from the Barrel Age Beer Bash from Jungle Gyms, the second annual recording from the Barrel Age Beer Bash. Um, definitely not our first time here at the Jungle. We've done probably uh, four or five shows from a the A lot jungle. of shows it's, from this place, yes. It's a fun place to do shows. It's a fun place to drink beer. I... Um, Without giving too much away about my semi-anonymity, I live around the corner, and <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time here um, at the beer festivals, at the pint nights, at the tasting bar downstairs while I tell my wife I'm doing grocery shopping, drinking beer. Um, so, yeah. Well, it, beer Joe. Well, well, welcome back to Cincy Brewcast. Yeah, well, well thanks we'll for just, having we'll, me we'll back. Yeah. Thing off. These, uh, jungle beer gym, in front of us. these Jungle Gym events are not just Cincinnati events, either. These are regional events. They pull people from all over the place. So it's a lot of fun, uh, a ton of people, great beer. Uh, they do have a lot of Cincinnati beer, but it's not all Cincinnati beer. Well, and that's, that's what's... I mean, I... So, again, kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit, I do... I, I talk and I write about Cincinnati beer, but I sometimes I drink beer that's not from Cincinnati. And I don't, I don't want to say that too loud because I don't want to give too much away about, you know, who I am and what I do, but... Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of really good beer that's made other places other than Cincinnati, and you know, I mean, we won't give them too much fanfare because there's there's plenty to talk about from Cincinnati. So let's um, let's kick it off talking about the Barrel Age Beer Fest before we dig into what is Barrel Age Beer and and what makes it what it is. But um, here tonight, so when when this festival first kicked off, there was. Uh, I mean, there were, shit, I don't have the notes. But oh, yeah, here we go. There were 30 beers the first year that they did this. The, this is the fifth um, annual Barrel Age Beer Bash. I think they called it something else when it started. But when it started, there were 30 beers. So, I mean, y- you look at what's in front of us right now. You know, squish this down to like a third. The line stretched across the entire room because they had them on either side here. And it was, I mean... There was some really great stuff, but you waited half the night just trying to get one beer. Whereas now, there's more than a hundred different barrel-aged beers. Everything from your stereotypical bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout, which everybody is expecting, to the crazy, weird, sour, funky things that have been in barrels and spontaneously fermented. I don't think I don't know if there's anything <laughs> spontaneously fermented here, but you know, there. Yeah, I bet there. I mean, I bet there is. If we walk around, there is a mix of everything and yeah years ago it was stouts more stouts and more stouts and i didn't look over the entire list but i would say 
only half of the list, maybe 60% of the list, are stouts now. So I, I can give you a quick rundown of from Cincinnati, off the top of my head, not, not from notes, of course, of what is here from Cincinnati. So Braxton is pouring there, 2017 Dark Charge, um, which still a little fresh. I think the 2016 would have been more fun, but uh, we, you know, we'll, we won't uh, nitpick here. The 2017 Dark Charge from Braxton, 50 West is pouring two fantastic beers. They've got... Um, the Barrel Age 10 and 2 Barley Wine, which is an award winner. Uh, the Ghost of Imogene, which released this year, which is amazing. Hey, there's Raging Hop. We can get him to get us beers. Yes, I think he's going to help us out. That, that's a good time to interrupt the show. Hey, Raging Hop, um, grab this microphone for a second. We have a proposition. Just sit down there for one second. This is... Hello? Uh, I can't hear you. I have to go help my to... girlfriend park right now. I'll be right back. All right. Well, after you do that, we need you to get beers for us when Maybe. they're pouring beers. No, we have glasses ready to go. How much do I get paid? Um, high fives? Hugs? I guess I'll Joe will give hug. you a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> what about a jaunty tune? I'll give you some uh, Dreamsicle. <laughs> I have seats back in my car. Um, so, <laughs> 2017 Dark Charge from Braxton. Uh, 50 West is the 10 and 2 Barley Wine, which is amazing. I, I'm assuming it's probably this year's. Last year's is drinking just freaking phenomenal right now. So I hope it's that one, but it's probably this year's. Ghost of Imogene, which they also released this year. Um, Fig Leaf is doing their Barrel Age Black Solstice, which if you haven't tried that, is a must-try. I it's haven't. That's on my must-try list for tonight. Listerman is tearing things up as usual. <laughs> They've got their 2014 Cincinnatus, um, which I think the... And if Jason's here, he's probably going to kick my ass about saying this. I think the idea with Cincinnatus was that every year it was supposed to come out variants, kind of like a like a dark charge kind of thing, mm-hmm. where it's just every single year the base with some kind of variance that hasn't really happened. But um, 2014 Cincinnatus, fantastic! You should try it. Um, their latest release is the um, the Life series. The barley one is Life, so they've got the Life, which is the base one, and Lavish Life which is the, the little jungle cat, the Kopi Luwak, that eats the coffee beans and then poops them out, and yes. they pick the coffee beans out of the, the cat poop and then put them into the beer. I, <laughs> they, sounds, say, they say it's good, Sounds right? disgusting, but it's fantastic. <laughs> They've got that one, too. Um, Freedom Toast. Which is another, um, that's an award-winning beer as well. Which I haven't tried Freedom Toast yet. Nope. And I'm actually, it was hard to get. It sold out. Yeah, everything they do sells out anymore. Um, and then Mad Tree. Of course, there's a Mad Tree presence because Mad Tree is. <laughs> what do we say about Mad Tree and what they're doing now? They're well, they're everywhere. I mean, it's been a year since they're in their new facility, and they just keep getting bigger and bigger, and they're everywhere. Moving into Nashville right yes. now, I think as we speak, they're moving in. There's trucks just. <laughs> um, so they're pouring uh, 2015 Bourbon Barrel Aged Access Monday. June, which I absolutely love. I had a long conversation this morning at Brink, which we'll talk about, um, about June and how fantastic it is. And then they're doing the Levanto Obscuro, which was released this last Funk Day, which I think uh, I think that one might have been one of the ones that sold out pretty quick. I don't know off the top of my head, but um, good beer. Brian Geist, again, another big, dominant Cincinnati name. Pouring the Barrel Age Drunkle, Barrel Age Gramps, and their new one, the Bog Beast. And, and what's great about having them as part of, of any, an event like this is they don't always get the recognition they should for their Barrel Age beers. A lot of people look at them as the IPA and Pale Ale mm-hmm. Brewer of Cincinnati, which they do a great job. 
but they have a lot of barrel-aged beers, and they kind of just go under the radar. I just keep waiting. Like, I feel like any minute they're just going to, like, put out some kind of tweet and says, oh, yeah, by the way, all of our taps right now are barrel-aged beers because they've got just this huge, like, expanse underneath of their brewery. So on one of the other floors, that's just full of barrels just waiting to go out. And, like, they're just, at any minute, they could just dominate that whole thing. And I... There's going to be some fun stuff in the next couple of years coming up, especially on the sour side. They've, they've got fooders coming. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Let's get through this list. There's some really cool stuff that, that Ryan Geis is working on. But um, Rivertown, uh, the first. Yeah, well, I know. I can't actually say that. So they, them and Great Crescent were probably the first places in Cincinnati to really start doing barrel age stuff. I mean, Mount Carmel was around, but I don't think they touched barrels for a few years. I, mm-hmm. From the get-go, Rivertown was all about barrels, all about spontaneous fermentation, some, some wild, funky, sour stuff that, um, at that time, there weren't a lot of people in the United States doing it, and they uh, um, just won a medal for their uh, their goose, the Ville de Rivière. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I say it. <laughs> Ville de Rivière. Um, so that's on tap. I was actually really hoping that this would be the uh, debut of their Uncle Andy's Imperial Stout, which comes out in a matter of weeks. Yes. That I haven't even gotten a chance to write about yet. But um, from what I hear, it's fantastic. And uh, I'm excited to try that one. Well, the last stout that they did that was barrel-aged was the Chicago-style oh breakfast God, stout, yeah. which was amazing. It was one of the best things I've ever tried from them. Yeah, so absolutely. It, loved I, it. I'm excited about this new one. So, um You'll be able to read about it hopefully in the next week or so on the gnarlynub.com. I'm sure craftbeerjoe.com will have something. Yeah, absolutely. If not, you have to now. <laughs> <laughs> Committed. So Tafts is doing a Buffalo Trace Imperial Stout, which is a new kind, a new tapping that I haven't seen before. So I, I don't know how closely related to their um, their independent versus their uh, what was the, uh, the old wooden tooth uh, old wooden tooth I don't I don't know how closely those things are related or if they are yeah. but the, the first I heard about this beer was on the list for tonight's event Me so too. that's exciting I'm gonna try it yeah and then uh, the current Cincinnati darlings urban artifacts they know barrels uh, for sure they know funky they know wild um, I'm definitely gonna wander over there they're pouring. Cherry Pie, which is one of my favorite beers that they're doing currently, that I've tried, or that they're doing, that they've done. Uh, so I've, even though I've tried it a few times, I'm still going to grab a glass of that while we're here. They're doing the Ornament, which is slide rule with oranges or something in it. I don't know. They'll correct me later. But um, they've got the, the, the Ornament and then the Semifredo, which is another uh, slide rule variant um, barrel-aged deliciousness. So Got to get that too. So that's everything that's local, but then there is a metric crap ton of um, of other fantastic beers. So there's Raging Hop wandering back by. He's going to probably grab us a couple beers in a few minutes so that we can talk about actual beer, right? You're working. I mean, isn't that like work? <laughs> we need help. Um, all right, so we've talked about the important stuff that's that's what's happening we're at a barrel aged beer fest and we're going to drink barrel aged beer joe what is barrel aged beer barrel aged beer i've got a button for it i just clicked it and look look at this this list this tells me what barrel aged you've got a lot of notes but if we keep it really simple it's beer that's been aged in barrels but 
why would you put beer in a barrel? It's a really good question. I, I, you know, a lot of people do it for different reasons. Right. Um, and again, if we focus on what most people think of when we talk about barrel-aged beers, start with like a stout. Right. A lot of what you're trying to pull out of it or add to it is additional flavors. So you're trying to get maybe uh, bourbon is very popular, bourbon barrel-aged beers. You're trying to get some of that booziness from the bourbon in there. You're trying to get maybe some of the oak flavors, some of the vanilla flavors to go in there as well. Um, and it's really, it's all about experimentation. It's all about trying something new. It's about expanding what beer is. Because the whole thing is a lot of people say they don't like beer. But if you like bourbon or if you like whiskey or right. if you like gin or na- name any one of those, uh, those spirits, you probably like a beer that's been aged in those barrels. So it really expands who will like craft beer. So historically speaking, at one time, you know, all beer hit wood at some point in its life because that's that's what there was. They didn't have these big, you know, you walk into a craft brewery now, you see these big stainless steel fermenters and it's this big giant forest of stainless and you walk in and it's, oh, that's so neat. Well, one time they didn't have that. You know, wood was what held beer from... Yeah. from when it was, you know, the the boil kettle obviously was still some kind of metal surface to, to make the beer. But then after that, as soon as it went into some kind of fermentation or aging or transportation, any of that was all done in wood. It was just a th- the way it worked, you know. And I even like early on, like I think that craft breweries, or I guess they weren't craft breweries at the time, breweries, just all that there was. Um, they spent a lot of time trying to pull that wood flavor out of the beer, trying to get rid of it. They didn't want it to taste like wood. It wasn't it wasn't fashionable. It wasn't neat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't wasn't what the beer was supposed to taste like. Whereas craft breweries now, it's like that the flavor of the wood or the flavor of whatever used to be in the wood has become such a huge part of what you're trying to get, what you're trying to to mix into that flavor of the beer you're making, and it's it's opened up a whole new door for drinkers and and brewers and, and it's. It's fun stuff. It is fun. And just the idea that, yes, all beer was in barrels. And a lot of those beers actually turned out to be sour right. because they didn't understand the bacteria right. that was happening in there. So we spent centuries getting rid of sour flavors in beer only to turn around to understand what they really are and what they represented and how we can actually use those to make better beer, different beer. And, and now, again, we're trying to revitalize that and people like Urban Artifact to understand that. Well, it's still it's still a danger. I mean, you, if you're putting beer into a vessel like a bourbon barrel or, or whatever, a rum barrel, you know, some of these barrels have been used a bunch of times, you're still inviting that danger of outside forces coming in and doing something that you don't want them to do, which is part of the fun mm-hmm. of letting that barrel kind of do its thing and you never really know what's going to happen and kind of playing with that unknown. And that's that's part of the whole thing and that's that's part of the, the the beauty of some of these beers here when you try them and you taste how perfect it is knowing that outside force that they just constantly are just dancing with trying to trying to balance out it's 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 fun stuff it's fun to think about the science that goes into that because you really cannot understand what's happening inside that barrel until you bring the beer out i know a lot of times they do nail poles and stuff right. and do samples but you really don't know the final product until it's done. Yet a lot of these breweries produce consistently great barrel-aged beers. They really have got it down to a science at this point, well, which makes events like this so much fun. And so, you know, even even on that, like, you, you think you know what's happening in a barrel, and you're pulling those nails, and you're 
you're trying barrel A versus barrel B, and they're going to be different no matter no matter how consistent you think you are. And then there's this whole other world of blending things and getting you know this. You have this stack of X amount of barrels and combining them together to create something. Like it's the people that do this. It's a whole new level of brilliance and a whole new kind of thing to to what's happening in craft beer. If you go back and listen to uh, Volume Two, Episode Thirty One, it's I think we called it the Barrel Aged Brewcast. It was from Mad Tree from their their warehouse back at Mad Tree One Point um, I sat down with Simon and we, we kind of talked about all that stuff. We talked about barrel aging and how do you how do you know when a barrel's ready? How do you how do you balance all that stuff out? It was it was an interesting show that kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into that world. But I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago with Urban Artifact, kind of the same thing about how you how you mitigate that from the get go and how you kind of prevent some of that from happening. And it it blows my mind. And that's one thing you see with barrel-aged beers more than any other style of beer is they're different from year to year. Because of that aging process, because of the blending process, people get excited every year when a barrel-aged beer comes out because they know it's going to be slightly different than the previous year. Yes, it was similar barrels. Yes, the base beer was the same, but the result was different. And and we anticipate that uh, dark charge. Yeah, it's different every year. And that's what you love about it. Right. It's... You know, there's there's a whole world of people that you know gather these bottles and do you know vertical tastings of every year of, of X beer, whatever it is, you know, and it it is different and it's it's fun and it's exciting and it, it, it it's one thing to go and grab a beer off the shelf and know exactly what it's going to taste like. It's a whole different thing to to know that it's going to be good, but not really know what some of those nuances are going to be. It's the same thing that happens now with single barrel bourbons and things like that, where you. You know kind of what you're getting, but not really, especially when you try them next to each other and kind of see how it changes and shifts and how that, you know, the the barrel gods kind of take things over and, and do what they want with stuff. Um, so how geeky do you want to get with this? Uh, we have time, so I say we get really <laughs> I've geeky got some, with I've it. got some geeky stuff. So yeah. uh, oak, you know, that's most, when, when you hear things barrel aged, most of the time you're talking about oak. Most of probably what you're going to see here is American oak, you know, used bourbon barrels. But there's this whole other world, too, on top of that of different kinds of oak, you know, French oak and, and, and rum barrels and tequila barrels. And, like, there's there's lots of different things. Aside from, and we could do a whole show just based on the things that used to be in the barrels that, that are flavoring the beers, but the barrel itself, the wood... As I was starting to do some show prep, kind of preparing for the show, like there's the, the chemicals that are in wood and how they affect the beer kind of opened up this whole other thing that I wish I had a really smart person that understood these things that could sit there and kind of guide us through all this. But um, let's let's talk about some of that maybe. Um, I don't know if we should take a break first and try to... Yeah. No, let's let's just let's just dive in, and then we'll take a break and drink beer in a minute. I think. <laughs> um, so, flavors that kind of are at play when you start talking about a barrel. The the wood itself has different chemical compounds that are going to then infuse or affect the beer to some extent. The the, the, the lactones is one of the words that I learned. Lactones. <laughs> I'm completely out of my realm here. I don't... Um, 
it's it's something that's inside the oak itself. In lower concentrations, it gives you that thing that everybody calls oaky. It, it tastes kind of like wood. As it gets higher and higher, it can taste a little bit coconutty, um, which, again, is a flavor that I think everybody who's tried barrel-aged beers is familiar with. Even if they're not loaded with coconut, you get some of those flavors. Um, man, there's, there's some words here that doesn't feel natural for me to say, but... Um, Phenolic aldehydes. Oh, phenolic. <laughs> Not like that. It's some kind of flavor, so I don't know. They're, um, it, it's an actual structure in the wood that I guess kind of holds the wood itself together, if that makes sense. Man, I wish I had Brett Coleman Baker sitting here to guide us through this. Um, part of those phenolic aldehydes, the, the vanillin, which, what do you think vanillin tastes like? I'm going to guess vanilla. <laughs> it does. It gives a vanilla-like flavor. <laughs> My notes actually here say, vanillin gives a vanilla-like flavor. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the great... That's one of the most common flavors people talk about in bourbon, as well as bourbon well, barrel-aged stout. So what I think is, is neat about it is, depending on how much um, toasting or charring the, the barrel itself gets. So like in, in wine barrels, so the French oak don't get charred as much as a bourbon barrel does. Mm-hmm. And you don't get as much of that vanillin phenolic, what are they, phenolic al- what are they, aldehydes? Phenolic aldehydes. You don't get as much of that in the, the wine barrel versus a bourbon barrel because of the amount of charring. So I guess if a beer is aged in a wine barrel, you don't get as much of the vanilla compounds as you would if it was aged in a bourbon barrel. I don't know. Um... They can break down over time. Oh, oh, we're getting to something else here. Let me read this. All right, the charring, it can leave some vanilla intact, but it breaks down over time into compound. Oh, man, simpler. Big words. Oh, yeah. Big words. Volatile phenols responsible for. Oh, man, I'm getting it over my head here. We need an expert. (laughs) They they break down depending on how much uh, charring you do, and they can turn into, like, smoky medicinal flavors. Oh man, here's another good word. Guaycals. That's the word. <laughs> they um, can turn into like a cinnamony kind of flavor. Okay. And this is all from like some kind of chemical that is actually the structure of the wood itself. So we're not talking about something that's added to the beer. It's all in the wood. It's from the wood. Um, there's, there's, there's other polymers that can give you. Um, Lots of bitter almond flavors or caramel, burnt sugar, things like that. Not from the charring itself, but from the actual wood. Um, as soon as you start adding yeast in there, it can transform into real bitter, smoky, meaty, leathery flavors. It's all coming from the actual barrel itself. So I wonder how much the brewers pay attention to what distilleries the barrels came from and how those distilleries treated the barrels before they got there because i'm sure some of them char them more some less because they're trying to achieve something in their whiskey or bourbon or whatever spirit they're making but all that's left for the beer as well so i wonder how much thoughts put into that or if they're just grabbing whatever barrels they can get (laughs) and the impression that i get now um versus maybe 10 years ago or something like that is that it's it's you get what you can get you get the barrel and then you figure out what to do with whatever that barrel is going to do to the beer versus before maybe you say, oh yeah, you know, I kind of want this type of barrel to do this type of thing to this beer that I've made. I, it's the impression that I get. I, if we had a brewer sitting right there, 
maybe they would say something differently. I mean, maybe like if you've got a lineup of you know five different barrels and you've got three beers, you well, let's put this one into this and let's put this one into this. I mean, there's probably some of that that goes on, but yeah, I think there is. I would agree. I, maybe they can't select the barrel, but once they get the barrel. They put some thought in, okay, what are we going to put in this barrel based on what we know about it? I have a hard time believing that some of these breweries um, analyze the, what was the word, walls, whatever that word is that gives I, me the cinnamon. I, I think I, I heard a, Jason Brewer <laughs> say that exact word last time I was at Listerman. I don't think he did. <laughs> you don't think so? so we, we've got this lavish life, and we need lots of walls. <laughs> I don't know anything about these words. <laughs> um, uh, the... The easy stuff is the the tannins, you know, especially when you start talking about wine barrels and how they dry stuff out and, and dealing with that. I, that's easy stuff, and what's been in the barrel is even easier. If you've got a, you know, if you've got a, a rye barrel, you know, it's going to kind of impart this versus a a rum barrel, which is a whole other kind of thing. But um, it's going to impart these flavors based on the spirit that was in the barrel already. But I don't think. You know, but, but the type barrel that is used is a lot of fun, and I believe it was Listerman last year did a release where they had the same beer and five or six different barrels. Right. They released them all at the same time. It's a Chuck's regular yes. old porter, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was a bunch it, of different barrels. That's a fun experiment because then you can try them all side by side and say, this is really how important the barrel is to the beer. From, from what I understand... Um, Alexandria is going to kind of go the same thing, too, with their Imperial Stout when they finally get their doors open. Andy, open your doors. Get us some beer. Um, they, um, they're going to have their Brothers in Arms, their big Imperial Stout, the base, and then a couple different barrels and kind of show the difference from barrel to barrel and, and, and how that affects the beer. I wish more people would do stuff like that to kind of really explain what barrel aging does to a beer. It's, it's one thing to try CBS, and it's... It's fantastic, but if you don't get to try it right next to the base beer, you don't get as much of an appreciation for it. Absolutely. You know, especially, you know, you know it's a, I love Barrel Age Beer Fest. It's it, Barrel Age Beer Bash. It's, it's fantastic, but it's a whole bunch of Barrel Age beers. It gets a little fatiguing after a while. To, if you could take a festival like this and have every single booth have a base beer... And then the barrel age, and then the base beer, and the barrel age. How fun would that be? That'd be a lot of fun. Um, if somebody could, who, who do we? Who, yeah, who do we talk to about that? I don't know. I think Raging Hop, wherever he is. Yeah, let's get him over here. <laughs> we we need something to drink. We're um, gonna reinvent your event. Let's uh, let's take a break. Let's drink some beer. Um, even yeah, if even I need if to get have, those big words out of my head. Yeah, like like walls or whatever the hell that is. Um, yeah, we'll take a break, and we're going to go grab a beer. When we come back, we'll talk about whatever beer we grab. I don't know what it's going to be. We'll yeah. figure it out. Sounds we'll be like back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. You know, there's no need to be up <laughs> Beer, Beer is about having fun. The dream, the dream is definitely the fact that we went from homebrewing in a garage to where we are today, right? That is, that is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Uh, we, uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Can you have more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> We're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman-Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollow. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Permissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike Stokes from Cincy Brew Bus. Cincinnati's craft beer scene is growing, and we want to take you to those locations. Here at Cincy Brew Bus, we love to introduce people to craft beer here locally in Cincinnati. We have an amazing craft beer scene. We have lots of routes to choose from and a lot of different places we can visit. Cincy Brew Bus is Cincinnati's premier and original craft brewery tour. We're the number one rated tour for breweries on TripAdvisor. We're the number one rated food and drink experience on TripAdvisor. And we're also the number two total tour overall on TripAdvisor here for Cincinnati. At Cincy Brew Bus, we provide a VIP tour experience for the novice and for the expert craft beer drinker. We like to take you out, show you how the beer is made, tell you about Cincinnati's rich brewing history, and at the same time, have fun, do some trivia, and drink some locally made fresh craft beer. I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest to be harvested. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap. But I <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We're back. Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. We've got beer. We have beer now. <laughs> it's now a proper brewcast. Beer infused hot sauces. I like the sound of that. Um, so. In the commercial, like literally in the commercial, we ran over and got a uh, couple beers. Well, we got a couple beers, but it's the same beer. Freedom Toast from Listerman. Because it wouldn't be a barrel-aged beer bash without drinking Listerman beer. I think that was one of the from the beer fridge. Oh, shit. I got to hit that. This is from the beer fridge. (laughs) Look how good I am. Um, This is Freedom Toast. It's a stout with, um, do you remember all the things I told you were in it? Like so it's walnuts. walnuts, cinnamon, nutmeg. I feel like there was something else. Barrel-aged? It's bourbon barrels. Hang on. Let me pull my phone out. It is maple. forgot the maple. Um, walnuts, maple, cinnamon, nutmeg, bourbon barrels. The idea behind Freedom Toast is it is a French toast stout. Right. Is what they're going for. I smell that. It's very sweet. Did you try it yet? A little bit. Just a little. What do you think? This is really good. So it's a very sweet barrel-aged stout. It is equally as sweet as it is strong. So you get a little bit of that booziness, but you get a lot of sweetness from that maple and the cinnamon. There's people lined up for CBS right now. And then right next to it is Freedom Toast. 
why are they lined up? There's Freedom Toast right there. <laughs> so, yeah, the line for CBS was 30 people deep, and we walked right up and got this beer. I've had CBS. I don't know if you have. Did you guys try Freedom Toast, Listerman? Go try Freedom Toast. Freedom Toast. Freedom, Freedom Toast. Toast, yes. Yeah. See? Look what I just did. Yeah. See? You're, you're making it happen. <laughs> uh, CBS is an amazing beer. People waited six years to get their hands on it again. I loved it. This is equally as good, if not a tad bit I, better. I think it's better. Like, there's, um, It's not as boozy, not as uh, harsh, I guess, is the way that I would put it, maybe. The difference is you get more maple. Yeah. And I think that's because they actually put maple in it, where CBS is just aged in barrels, bourbon barrels, that aged maple syrup. So the maple is, is an undertone there. It's there, but it's not sweet. It, you, somehow you get maple flavor without getting a lot of the sweetness, where this, it, you get all the sweetness of the maple. Man, it's good. It does make me want to, like, drink it with breakfast. Yes. Do you think my wife would get mad at me for that? Yes. It's, like, <laughs> it, would, it would go really good with, like, an omelet. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, that whole yeah. other side of breakfast that you don't have to actually make. You just... I mean, I think if you're having this with breakfast, you get the omelet, you get the French toast, you get the bacon. I think you get it all. Oh, yeah, bacon. Oh, man. Yeah. Or if you could, you know, kind of maybe reduce this down and make oh. some bacon. Like, this is a sauce. Oh, like man. a candied bacon made oh, yeah. with this. Yeah. Yeah. See? We know what we're talking about. If you're listening to the show, you're going to have to give me a second. I need to drink this. <laughs> But Hang on, I'll, I'll try to drink loudly. I'll talk about Listerman while you drink. Listerman is a really cool brewery here in Cincinnati because mm. of their That's ability. how you drink loudly. <laughs> because of their ability to, I don't want to use the word reinvent themselves because when you say reinvent, it's as if they are not doing what they've always done. They are still making amazing they've dark beers. They've sides of who they are now. It, it, it used to be they were just really the dark beer place, though, in my opinion. Their dark beers mm. were amazing. Now they added this whole IPA side, which is amazing. Now they're doing the barley wine thing. They just keep adding layers. It's impressive. Well, and, and they add these layers without like letting these other sides suffer, in my opinion. It's, it's one thing to be pumping out New England IPAs you know, once or way more than once. I love you, Jason, but you're doing a whole lot of New England IPAs. A lot of releases. Um, it, it's one thing to do that on a regular basis, but then to still have this whole Chicao side and the bourbon barrel aged whatever, you know, the freedom toasts and what, and whatever they happen to be to have that still there. I, you know, I've heard countless times from people from other places in the country that have gotten hold of Listerman that say, this, this rivals any of the, the Imperial Stouts that I've had from Jackie O's and, you know, these places that you're like, really? Like, like uh, alright, you yeah. know, like I, I agree, but that's because I live in Cincinnati and I know that sometimes my mind is a little warped by the fantasticness but 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 just as they were diving into the new england ipa trend fad whatever you want to call it last year they were winning do we still, can we still call it a, a trend can we just call fad? it a, a like, thing is it still like i don't know well i don't it, want to talk it might be here to stay my, my problem is i'll just talk about new england ipas all night so <laughs> we, can we can't do that because this is the Hashtag blessed. <laughs> yes <laughs> we gotta gotta shout out street side a little bit yes oh those t-shirts they're making are pretty amazing. I, I saw one this morning at Brink. Oh, um, they got an we, early release. Huh? Yeah, I guess we should probably talk about Brink a little bit at some point, too. Oh, selfies. We should, we should take <laughs> pictures of people you're taking embar- selfies. You're embarrassing <laughs> them with their selfies. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Brink. We're going to talk about Brink. We should talk about Brink. So I went to Brink this morning, and I have a little lineup of beer sitting on my bar downstairs that I'm here instead of drinking. I wish Brink was here tonight serving up some of that uh, um, that barrel-aged beer. <laughs> it's, they, they, they did Armored Heart, which is a Russian Imperial Stout, which, again, when you think barrel-aged beer, ooh, everybody thinks Russian Imperial Stout yep. in a bourbon barrel. And they did that. Well, they didn't even do it. They, they did rye barrels. And then they did uh, rum barrels. Mm-hmm. And then they took those and did a really, really, can't emphasize really enough, limited amount with some coffee. One of them had some vanilla in it. They um, didn't even make enough for their family. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was that limited. Like, no, they yeah. couldn't even give it to their friends. They didn't even get any. I, I was talking <laughs> to Kelly, and he's like, oh, did you get some? And I say, yeah, I got one of each. He's like, I didn't even get any. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> they made him line up. <laughs> Yeah, it was too cold to get in line. <laughs> like, That's too fun. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, the, the fun thing for me was... 27 bottles 27 of each of the bottles variants. Of, e- of each of the three variants, which if you were in line, you got to buy one of each of them. Right. So 27 people got those beers. You're yes. one of them. Yeah, I was one of them. I got them all. Um, oh, nice no. Work. I'm sorry if my wife is listening. I did not buy them all. I only bought one bottle this morning. I, I think... I didn't like clarify with her, but I think she thinks that I got up this morning... And went and got in line for several hours to get one bottle of beer. I think, based on the way she was saying things, she thinks I bought one bottle of beer. I, I mean, do I correct her? <laughs> I think you wait until she she asks the question. Yeah, I, I put it on the credit card. She won't see it. <laughs> pay it off quietly and not say anything. I'm really excited about Brink. I love you, honey. You know, I when, one bottle. When they started to open up, I got excited right away because they're five minutes from my house. So it was like going to be my spot. I knew from the very beginning it was going to be my spot. Crossing my fingers, the beer was good. <laughs> and I fell in love with them right away. And I, But I needed other people to kind of justify that. Right. And I've gotten that time and time again. People keep saying that Brink is really impressing the entire it's Cincinnati inc- market. It's incredible. I, I, I put them in the street side kind of in the same camp. They open, you know, about the same time, mm-hmm. roughly. They have this kind of a similar vibe inside there and stuff and from day one every beer that those places have, you know in my opinion and I, I get that my opinion might be wrong or might be different than yours but in my opinion every beer that's come out of both of those places has been just dead on of what it's what what, the, what it's supposed to be you can't argue i mean i guess you can argue if you're one of those people and we know those people exist they're, they're fantastic. What, what they're doing is leaps and bounds over what anybody in Cincinnati could have dreamed this city could be 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Like For a new nobody, brewery. Nobody it, could have imagined what this city could be. Yep. And they came on at a time when people started saying, do we already have too many breweries? Yeah, they, <laughs> and people kind of said, are we going to get burnt out? They, and they didn't just open up making standard styles right. that people were expecting Right out of the gate, they were not holding back. Right. And so if you haven't been to um, to Brink lately, they've got everything from big, juicy New England IPAs to these big, massive 11.5% Russian Imperial Stouts to a GABF award-winning... Uh, English Mile. English Mile. Like, like, just the full spectrum of everything that craft beer could be is is there it's it's fantastic we talked about how listerman's getting into the barley wine have you tried brink's 
barley wine, Kelly's candy. No, I saw it today, you but I was to. I was trying to pace myself. It I knew, is really I knew, really good. I knew what my day was gonna have in store for me. So after Brink this morning, um, ran over to Dogberry. Got to give them a shout out too. They don't have a lot of barrel aged stuff right now, although I hear that might be changing mm. in the near future. But um, this week is their third anniversary, and um, they're moving into this new location and everything, and seeing them hit three years, and again people telling them that who they are and what they want to do can't work in Cincinnati and seeing them just kind of give that middle finger and say, well, <laughs> we'll show you. And, and they have, I think it's just, it's, it's really fun to see that. I don't want to say be a part of it because I don't really do anything other than drink everybody's beer and then talk about it, which I don't really think is very uh, helpful. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope somebody's getting some kind of value out of what I do, but um it's it's fun seeing that and watching that happen and, and being right there to watch it happen. Um, it it's amazing to think about what's in store in the next five years. You know, you, you talk about local ingredients and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. hop farms springing up. You know, I'm wearing a Great Miami Hops T-shirt tonight. You know, just showing them <laughs> some some love because they're right here in Fairfield. You know, growing hops and you, you know, River Towns use their stuff and Dogberry uses their stuff and I mean it's just. There's, there's a lot of really fun aspects to craft beer that we're just starting to tap into. You know, going back to the barrel side, you know, this is a whole other thing. You know, local barrels, you know, for, for a long time, there weren't, local barrels weren't really a thing. You had Valley Vineyards that was doing wine that had some barrels, but those few and far between that made it out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've got these distilleries popping up, you know, second site and, uh, yep. and, um, now there's one in Norwood. I can't. Yeah, the Lees and I don't know, maybe one. <laughs> yeah, but but but, there, but there's a handful of distilleries opening I mean, up, and in obviously Cincinnati. New Riff in in, in, yeah. in Newport. You know, they uh, Boone County in Northern Kentucky. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. There's you know these these places that are tying this whole other side back into beer, and and the barrels can can make that full kind of kind of loop, I guess, and. Um, have a life in the spirit side and then have a whole nother life back in, in beer and then even go back to spirits after the beer. There's a whole thing there. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's fun to, to, to watch and to, you know, again, don't want to say be a part of, but be a part of at least from the drinking side. Yeah, and, and that's where a lot of us would argue that we haven't hit the quote-unquote craft beer bubble We're in Cincinnati close. because we are kind of creating our own ecosystem mm-hmm. of of products and services and all these things that people need. So yes, now we have hop farms. Now we're getting local barrels. All of these things are necessary and they're all supporting each other. Yes. These breweries really do compete against each other because at the end of the day, I have to, I can't drink all the beer and neither can you. I could try. We're we're trying, but we're not going to get there. I'm trying today (laughs) specifically, (laughs) but but they all support each other. And, And it's just proving that it's adding layer after layer to what this local community means when you talk about craft beer, it's knowing what it is today and looking back what it was even just, you know, four or five years ago when I started doing what I do, it blows my mind to think about what it can be in five years or in 10 years, or can we even imagine what this can be in 20 years? You know, and I, you know, you look at a festival like this or, you know, the International Beer Festival that Jungle Gems puts on every summer, and you look at what it is and how big it's gotten. And I talked about this with, with Braxton after Dark Charge Day this year. 
which is their barrel-aged, you know, festival, basically. You know, everything um, that they do kind of barrel-aged culminates in this one day. Like, where do you go? Like, how, how, how big can this thing get before it just blows up and you're like, oh, my God, like, this doesn't fit here <laughs> anymore. Like, there's, this is too big for us to even, like, contain. And it's like, I, every time I'm at a festival or every time I'm at an event, I'm like, oh, my God, like, how do they contain this? How do they, how do they keep it to maintain, you know, some kind of sense of order? <laughs> like, it's just, it's, everything is getting ready to completely burst at the seams, I think. In a very good way. In a very good way. And, I, and you experience it and I experience it because we think about and talk about and write about beer quite a bit. But there is this continual momentum. You're going to hear people say that, oh, beer in general is flat. You know, people aren't selling more. Yes, if you look at the industry as a whole, but if you look at every local spot, it's the local breweries that are really increasing and growing and doing more and more. And, and that's not going away. I don't think that's going to change at all. You know, we talked about Mad Tree and Rheingeist earlier. They're kind of the, the, the biggest players in the Cincinnati market. But Rivertown's been around a long time, and they're a regional brewery at this they're, point. They're a powerhouse, whether people here in Cincinnati realize, realize it or, or not. not. And we're going to have a handful of those people that are powerhouses, but, and then we're going to have the second tier of breweries that are just the local spots, and they are just going to continue to influence their community in a positive way with beer. Right. I, it blows my mind to think about places that are getting ready to open that are looking at this right now and looking at places like Rivertown or like Braxton or you know places that have either been around forever or are newer but have just dominated what that means to be a new growing brewery and there's people just watching that and learning from that and using that into what they are when they open their doors and you see it with those places like Brink or like Streetside you know as they open up and they're like all right we learned this, 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 and this from everybody that's been around. We're going to incorporate that into what we do and fix this mistake and this mistake and this mistake and do it better and do it our way. And, and it's, it's fun watching that. And every place that opens up does something different that you're like, oh, my God, why didn't everybody else think of that? You know, <laughs> it's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. And, and it works on any level that they want it to work on. Brink is a neighborhood brewery. They're... I want to say less than 750 barrels in their first year of beer. I don't have the numbers. Maybe just you. over sounds, 500. Sounds right. It's not a big number when you look at <laughs> what these larger breweries are putting out. So you don't have to make tens of thousands of barrels of beer to be a player in a local market. Right. And that's what's great about beer is that they are relevant. Uh, they matter to us, but they don't have to be a monstrosity of a business. So it's fun stuff. So... I mean, kind of taking a step back and kind of going back to the beginning and, and where we are and what we're doing, um, how do you see festivals like this fitting into all that? I mean, there, it seemed like for a little while there it was there, there was a festival every single weekend at every single convention center or big bar. You know, it, How do festivals fit into this whole thing? Festivals are interesting, and the way I see them needing to evolve is really to be more like what we're at right now. This is a barrel aged beer event. Everything here has been aged in barrels. It's a niche Except product. for Cervantes pretzels. Those never saw a barrel. They never that saw I, a barrel. That I know of. They have not been 
Asian I, barrels. I would I would try it if it was barrels. <laughs> I would try. But I think we need more events that are a little more focused. So when you get these big events, and it's kind of like the Jungle Gyms International Beer Festival that they do in the summer, a lot of these breweries bring out their core products, which are great for people that are getting to know beer, wanting right. to know it. But the reality is, for myself, for you, we don't go to a beer event to dr- try Mad Tree Psychopathy. It's a great IPA. I've had it plenty. Right. But I, I don't go to an event to try it. So I think that's the evolution is there needs to be events for different types of beer drinkers. Ones that are just new to beer or casual drinkers where they're more than happy just to drink the core beers. And then ones for kind of the diehard people like this, like this event. Ladies and gentlemen, this weekend, Jungle Gyms, Get to Know Beer Festival. <laughs> That actually could be a really fun event. It would be a lot like, of fun. Especially if you kept it kind of small, had some booth set up, kind of like walk people through tasting like some different... Um, what, oh, they do a, um, a whiskey festival, which actually is actually a, probably a really good. I wonder if um, this guy right here, he works for Jungle Gems. Hey, hey, do you know anything about the whiskey festival? Come over here for a second. <laughs> no, we can't wait. This is... It's a podcast. <laughs> we're live. So uh, we're not even live. We could we could actually wait, but that, that spoils all the fun. So every like February ish, I think it's like the twenty something. I feel like he's videotaping me right now. Don't you know I'm anonymous? Semi anonymous? Synonymous with anonymous? <laughs> I feel like I'm being zoomed in on. Like I don't know what's giving it away. Maybe he's like two feet away from me. I feel like it's gonna be like <laughs> it's like dateline so, footage. So every all right, so if you're not going to help me, maybe Jared knows that the, the Whiskey Festival dates is like the 23rd, something like that. Is it behind me? 24th. I was really close. So February 24th. Really the, so I haven't been. I didn't go last year, but I think the year before I went. They, It's a whiskey festival where you go around and you taste different whiskeys, but part of it is like these separate little almost like, I don't want to call them seminars because they were just like short little like talks about whiskey and they kind of talk you through different parts of it and i think if you <laughs> we went way off track there for a second i'm sorry <laughs> um so if you had something like that you can incorporate with beer I'm, you, yeah you can incorporate that into beer i have not tried the tasks we've been sitting here doing a show you want to get us some tasks it's really good okay ed's We're, gonna get us some tasks we hear a recommendation <laughs> oh look at that we get from ed's glass you know, the best beer to drink is one that was recommended to you. I always say that. Oh, my God. That is good. So, do you know if this is the first time this beer has been debuted anywhere? I've, I haven't heard about it anywhere. Wow. It's nice. It has... Um, it's almost got like a rye spiciness to it. A little spicy. A little earthy. It isn't boozy or sweet. I don't know if yeah. anybody can hear Ed, but that's so, yeah, excellent. It, it, fantastic. So, do you think they'll bottle that? You know what? I, I, Taft is going to listen to this, and they're going to hear us say, "You need to bottle that because people you, here are loving I that mean, beer." Let's 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 go out. So, Taft has had some issues with barrel aged bottles. They had some infection issues with their last one. Independent. Yeah, the the independent, and they haven't independent. They haven't touched bottles since then and i'm in my head i'm thinking are they afraid to do this again are they afraid of the whole barrel aged bottling are they and i I don't know the answer to that and i don't want to say for them but um, which which is a shame because the old wooden tooth oh my god was a dine i still have a bottle 
That release was dynamite. The packaging was beautiful. That box it came in. Oh, so if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, their first beer, they their first barrel aged bottle, their first bottle, first package release, maybe. I think it was. I don't know if they it was on cans. their first anniversary. Yeah, I don't know if the cans came out before that or after. It's not important, but so it was um, packaged in this like wooden crate. Um, with like a little slide off lid and everything. But then the actual bottle itself, the label is made out of like this really thin wooden veneer. And then it has like this little wooden flag that's on the actual bottle. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. One of my favorite packages that's ever been done in Cincinnati. Sorry, Braxton. I love love the uh, the, the Dark pack- Charge twenty three. Gorgeous packaging, but the the wood and just incorporating that wood into everything about that bottle fantastic and, and the beer is delicious and for as nice as it was it wasn't pretentious yeah it, it was, was classy it was ageless and yeah and then the beer was amazing so i'm gonna open that bottle that i have i'm assuming it's it, at least two years old now mm, coming up on two years coming up on two years in march i think was I the i think it's prime um yeah man i i drank all mine a long time ago <laughs> it didn't last very long i uh yeah it, i've heard people say that there was some infection issues with old wooden tooth, and I don't think that's actually true. I don't think it's true. I um, and I know people are going to tell me I'm wrong, but um, you're wrong. There were not infection issues with old wooden tooth. It was just independent. And if you still have bottles of the independent sitting around, they will still take them and give you growlers and return for them and whatever. So I don't know. Quit your bitching. Just drink some beer. That's a good beer. That's a really good beer. But when we talk about, I'm going to rewind and talk about events. We're talking about festivals. I think they could do a festival here for get to know beer. Instead of tables being divided by brewery, you have areas divided by style. Yeah. They walk up. They taste an ounce of two or three IPAs. They learn what an IPA is. They move on and try a Kolsch or a Porter. IPA is tough. IPA is tough to put into a... Maybe you have to break it down a little <laughs> further. But the idea that a lot of people think they don't like something right. until they try three different of them and they say, well, I hated the first two, well, but the third one I loved. You know, we're, we're getting way off topic talking about IPAs here. But, um, uh, IPAs is, is there a barrel-aged IPA in the house? <laughs> I'm sure there, there probably is. Um, but talking about, you know, like understanding styles and... Uh, styles written on the shade. Um, you know... I forgot where I was going with this. So, with an IPA, that means one thing in somebody's head. And on top of that, or underneath of that, you've got traditional West Coast IPAs, this thing that people were doing for a while. You know, East Coast IPAs, what they called them for a while, the big multi kind of sweet things. Then you've got this New England style IPAs, which we've talked about extensively on the show. Yes, we have. <laughs> and I think we're not probably done talking about them. Um, within that category there's a lot and it's hard to wrap that up into one little package for people and say here's what this is and I you know if, you, if we want to bring it back to barrel aged beers it's right on par there too you know it's if you think barrel aged beer do you think this big giant Russian imperial stout aged in the bourbon barrel and completely gloss over the fact that urban artifact I love this guy's pants like your pants sir <laughs> I wish we had a video camera set <laughs> because nobody understands. Um, and a barrel aged beer to a lot of people is 
that big, kind of big Russian Imperial Stout, Asian Bourbon Barrel. It's you know you can taste it when you just mention it. But then you've got places like Urban Artifact or like Crooked Stave or I don't know who else is here. Uh, River Rivertown River here. You know, yep. They're doing these crazy other things that are also barrel aged beers, and I, I it's hard to wrap it up into into one sentence or one kind of little neat package that says here's what barrel aged beer is. No, there's not one answer anymore. I mean, everything. There's not. There's can not be, a kind of short answer at all. That's no. for sure. Yeah, just about any style can be barrel aged, and we're seeing more and more of that happening. Which is, I think, what we what we really need, so people really understand what barrels do to beer. Is only the only way to to answer that question is to do more styles, do more funky things with it. I'm a big fan of wild ales, and, and honestly, there aren't a lot of them out there. Crooked Stave is probably the only one you're doing that has something really funky, I would assume. Um, I haven't looked at the list, but I, I, I assume that's probably... I wish Urban Artifact did. I wish they had some of their dinosaur series. Urban Artifact, why no dinosaur series? They can't hear me. Well, because it sold out. <laughs> it did sell out, but they, they have to have some stashed away. You know they've got a couple kegs stashed yeah, away. Yeah, not enough for a couple hundred people. <laughs> There's always enough for me. I mean, some of us need to try our, what's the word, glycolols. <laughs> we need to try them in other ways other than a, a big Russian Imperial Stout. So, I mean, stretching from the barrel-aged beer bash back to what Cincy Brewcast is. What are you looking forward to in the next, I don't know, few months? In the next few months, what am I looking forward to locally? Yeah, yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. That's what yeah. we do. So Cincinnati, uh, what, what's going to happen is some maturity. I, I think we've had a lot of new places, and we talked about Dogberry celebrating their third anniversary. That's really exciting. They've matured. I, I think even these new guys, uh, Brink and... You want to hear a fun rumor I heard? Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything. Yeah, I think you should. Cans. From Dogberry. Dogberry cans. Well, I've heard I've heard a couple other, like, more distant rumors about a couple other places, but yeah, I'm pretty sure the Dogberry one is solid that they're going to have cans. And, and that's maturity in the market. You know, all of these places that have opened up over the last three, four, five years are, are going to mature. They're finding their we voice. They're mature. Well, they're finding their voice. And, that, and that's what the community needs because to us we're in deep we understand these places probably better than other people do but to the casual craft beer drinker they need these places to understand who they are provide a consistent product urban artifacts a great example 2017 was a year of maturing for that brewery was the year of urban artifact and i think and i think he claimed that at the end of 2016 i, I kind of laughed it off because he had been drinking oh yeah yeah for sure man yeah yeah, yeah. year of urban artifacts and, and then, then it came true it's like oh my god you were right but but now they know who they are they're doing this all these heavily fruited beers they have a voice people understand who they are I think we're going to see that from a lot of breweries, and they're going to hone in on who they are, focus, um, maybe fig leaf, uh, their canning. I think they're going to mature as well. Speaking of fig leaf, yeah, come grab a seat. Oh, my gosh, there's a microphone and headphones right there. It's like we anticipated that, or somebody (laughs) did. It was impromptu and stuff. Oh, wow, not too hard of questions here, fellas. So, Andy Allgaier from Fig Leaf. Oh, your cord's way too short. I didn't even plan this out. Hey, man, easy now. (laughs) Not that that cord. (laughs) 
Um, so you guys are pouring. Uh, I mean, we're, we're we're jumping topics. We were just talking about what we were expecting from Cincinnati in the next few months. But since you were walking by, yeah. <laughs> um, you guys are pouring barrel aged black solstice. We are, yes. which. I've heard people comparing to some really incredible barrel-aged beers that have been around for decades. Well, I do appreciate that. Uh, our head brewer, Jeff Forty, did a uh, fantastic job of this. Um, the barrel-aged solstice, it was it was uh, aged about one year in Willet rye and uh, Willet uh, sour mash barrels, and then blended, and then, of course, packaged and bottled and uh, released right before our anniversary. Tell us, flavor-wise, what, what do people expect from a beer? Is it your stereotypical kind of big bourbon-y stout, or is there some other kind of stuff that people can expect from it? No, I think it's a really nice balance because uh, some of the, you know, different depending on which barrel-aged stout you're tasting, some of them can be a little overpowering, uh, a little too much bourbon flavor pickup. I think we have a really nice, solid balance of it. Uh, pick up a little bit of hints of the, the vanilla toffee, a little bit of the caramel malts in it. Uh, the base beer is fantastic on its on its own it's already. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, that's what I get out of it. So, on on the barrel front, mm-hmm. what can we expect coming up in the future? I assume you guys didn't empty those barrels, burn them, and say we're never touching barrels again, right? Um, no, there's been some more <laughs> barrel-aged stuff in the works. Uh, only thing I can give out right now is a little bit of our, our anniversary Belgian quad right. that we came out with that had 1,050 pounds of plums in it. Uh, we did throw a few of those in some barrels. Going to let that go for about a year as well. Uh, however, we do see some more barrel-aged stuff outside of that. What about the um, kind of the other side of, of barrel-aged? Are sours, anything in the... Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because there is one coming up very soon, the production schedule, yes. Uh, barrel age, we haven't discussed that as far as the sour is concerned, but yes. Yeah. I would say definitely look in the next few months for that. To come. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody doesn't know, Fig Leaf is kind of right on the border, um, Monroe, Middletown, kind of right there, you know, down the street from Rivertown off of 63. You just... Kind of make your rounds, you know. Hit, hit Fig Leaf, hit Rivertown, work your way over to Hamilton, hit up Municipal, and uh, uh, make a day out of it. Like it's, I think a lot of people shy away from that that northern side of things. Are oh, it's too far away. It's too far away. Yeah, I mean we're so we're right there off of the interstate by Cincinnati Freeman Allen Mall. It's like a mile and a half from there. Straight so, up Day Road on yeah, the left drop, hand side. Drop your yeah. significant other off. Yeah, let them do some shopping and just well, go shopping. That has been known to happen, especially around the holiday shopping season. Absolutely. That, uh, <laughs> See a lot of lonely people in there uh, <laughs> getting friendly with our peers. So. Anything else exciting you guys want to talk um, about? Well, the other thing that's exciting is we did uh, get a larger bottling line. Right. So we will you will be seeing more of our bottles out in production. So more of the kind of the, the standard stuff or more special release kind of things? Both. Uh, you'll be seeing more uh, four to six packs from us out in bottles. Also, uh, we have, I don't know, a fan favorite that we've kind of even got some threats on. We have to bring it back, which is kind of odd. It's, it's craft beer, so <laughs> we're all trying to be friendly. Calm but, um, uh, look, we're uh, bringing back the, uh, the Belgian Chappelle that we did, the Sula Tabla. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to make a, a comeback as well for the tap room and also uh, bottle release. Are we going to see more cans? 
Uh, down in the future, we still are looking for a canning line. Uh, yeah, so at the immediate future, no, but yes, that is definitely in our works to do more stuff in Kansas. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm glad we snagged you right before. <laughs> It's good you only got me like, you know, six years. So. <laughs> Come back in an hour, right? We do a follow-up in an hour. We're just, we're just getting ready to get started on our drinking. So. <laughs> I was like, what are, you guys are like a shy person. Like, you need a runner or something like we that. We do. Yeah. We, we need a lot of things. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, Joe, is there anything else you want to tell people? Because um, I need to go grab some beer. Are we done? I think so. We're wrapping I mean, it up. Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, no. I mean, what? The only thing I would say is if you have not been to a Jungle Gyms beer event, go to the next one. I'm assuming it's the International Beer Fest this summer. There might be another one coming before then. They're not the least expensive, but they are the best. By far the best. I I, I mean, the crowd's great. The people are friendly. They have the best quality beer around. You're not going to get a bad beer, typically, quote, unquote. They're going to have something that you like. There's hundreds of beers here. So, yeah, you got to get to one of their events. Absolutely. And everybody go to craftbeerjoe.com. They should. I mean, they should. Yeah, yeah. Um, social media. Social media is as Craft, craft Beer Joe, Joe, wherever you can think wherever, about it. Yeah. Uh, hang out on Instagram a lot, Twitter a lot. Um, you'll find me at Facebook, Pinterest. Uh, what was that? What was it. the video one that went away? That I can't remember the name of it. it was oh, like Vine? Those, yeah, Vine. Vine? Are you on Vine? I'm not on Vine. <laughs> if, I can, if, if they'll let me, I will. So watch out. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, craftbeerjoe.com is where you can find me. Um, I post stuff all the time. And it's not just Cincinnati stuff, but a lot of it is. So. Not that there's anything wrong with doing just Cincinnati stuff. No, no. <laughs> no, but, I, but if you go there and you don't see Cincinnati, that is my site. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody just drink. Drink whatever you want to drink. But drink local wherever you are. And uh, I mean, share. I, I guess is is what I want to kind of promote today and this week is just you know share the love of craft beer with somebody because there's still a lot of people that are in the midst of beer. Uh, thank you guys, Cincy thank you. Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Thank you, Andy. 